0: listeners, to another episode on the Churches of Christ, sponsored by the Skillman Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. This is your host, John Mark Davidson, and today I have the privilege and the honor of speaking with Dr. Grady King. Grady has been ministering in churches since the year 1977, seven years as a youth minister and 33 years as a preacher. And currently, he is the co leader of the Hope Network, a nonprofit dedicated to mentoring leaders of religious communities and also helping guide churches towards greater life and vibrancy. Grady also serves as the director of church resources at Oklahoma Christian University. It is an honor to talk to him today. During the interview, we talk a lot about church governance, which is a fancy word for church leadership. You see, the Churches of Christ have been set up to not just have one leader, but rather a group of people known as an eldership who help guide each congregation in the path in which they feel the Spirit is leading. And uh, a couple months ago, I came across an article that Grady had written assessing the existing leadership model within Churches of Christ today and suggesting a potential alternative for consideration that could possibly move towards greater health among congregations. So I reached out to him to see if we could talk more about this. And, but I begin the interview by asking him about his relationship with the Churches of Christ, and here is his answer.
1: Well, I was weaned in the pews of the Churches of Christ in Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, that's what I like to say. You know, I, I'm a card-carrying, baptismal certificate, flannel board, <laughs> Bible class Guy. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm 65 years old. I spent my whole life in Churches of Christ yeah. um, in Western Oklahoma, in Northwest Oklahoma, in a church of about 250s where I grew up. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my dad was a Church of Christ minister for a while and kind of had some in, internal and uh, struggles in this life. And so my parents divorced. My dad got out of ministry. Mm-hmm. was raised by a single mom wow. in a Church of Christ in, in Oklahoma. And, um, so that that's kind of, I've, I've, been with us the whole time and, uh, I love us warts and all is the way I like to say it, you know? <laughs> and so it, it's good. It's a great, it, it was a great heritage. I, I, I think I attribute my, some key Bible class teachers. Uh, I'm grateful for my roots of loving scripture and wanting to obey God. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for people that invested in my life. So yeah, Overall, it's been a really good experience, but I also know us really well. So,
0: <laughs> And tell us about what you do now. I know you work with the Hope Network, and for the listeners who are not familiar with this particular nonprofit, please tell us kind of what your role is with this nonprofit, what you do on a daily basis, and also kind of what you're seeing out there in, in churches out there, specifically Church of yeah, God.
1: Glad to do that. Um, I... Hope Network began in the late 90, 1996, I believe, or, or around that time. And uh, by uh, Lynn Anderson, mm-hmm. the preacher, writer, teacher, you know, author and, and just he's one of my mentors. And he began Hope Network in response to just giving himself to ministers and to churches. Mm-hmm. And so he's the one that wrote the book, Smell Like Sheep, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for elders and shepherding. And he began Hope Network. And then uh, early on, I was as close to Lynn as a, he mentored me and coached me. And then a few years after he started Hope Network, um, he had some health problems. And in his health problems, his, his board basically said, you know, you need to find some, some replacements. And so two of us were selected by the group of about 12 guys that, that wanted to carry on this work at Hope Network and Len and Carolyn Anderson were kind of the mom and pop of, of Hope Network. Yes. And they put their heart and soul into it. And he wanted five people that continue to mentor leaders and guide churches in different ways. And so ended up being about 10 or 12 of us. And then about nine years ago, John Mulliken and Dallas and myself, we became the co-leaders. And now we have about, um, account associates, partners, everybody, about 25 to 27 people that do some kind of work in Hope Network. So we focus on mentoring leaders, guiding churches. Mm-hmm. We do interim ministry. Mm-hmm. We come alongside churches in crisis.
0: Mm-hmm. We come
1: along leadership development kind of stuff. Uh, and so that's the kind of the yeah. nuts and bolts of it. So I spend most of my time with ministers and elders.
0: Interesting. And so Churches that are going through a transition, churches that maybe have just, um, you know, parted ways with a the minister. They're looking to maybe hire a new minister or have a time of transition. I'm sure you encounter churches in times of pain and hardship, also times of hope. I mean, I would imagine you see so much, especially within the Church of Christ. With, you, with your work, not only with Hope Network, but all there, also there at Oklahoma Christian what are you seeing about the current state of the churches of Christ today in America?
1: Well, the current state is basically continuing uh, what the pandemic has done in the last year
0: mm. It's kind of
1: heightened what was already present the last 25 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. And over the last 25 or 30 years, the churches of Christ have been in decline with minimal growth rates. Church planting has been down in North America. I say North America, I'm not talking the global church. Christ, And, um, as a result, the pandemic has kind of heightened and ex- or accelerated a lot of people saying, boy, what's going to happen to us afterwards, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a high degree of anxiety. But mm-hmm. we've been in decline a long time. And mm-hmm. it we, you know, in Hope Network and other people, we have tried to bring that as my old friend Charlie Seybert used to say, reality is your friend. <laughs> and so you know, and denial is not a river in Egypt. So, uh, love Charlie, miss Charlie greatly, but he had a way of just cutting to the chase. And so we've been trying to say, here's the stats folks. Mm-hmm. Statistics don't lie. And, and there's not just anecdotal stories, but we are a movement that really needs to regain its soul about the, mm-hmm. the very core of what the gospel is and the freedom we have in Christ and the Holy spirit that empowers
0: mm-hmm. us. and,
1: and, and and not truncate the gospel down to simply five steps to get to heaven, but it's the gospel for now and eternal life begins now. So what's happened? What's the state current state of churches of Christ? Um, I think many of us are in, many churches are in survival mode wondering about the future Yeah, and anxiety is really high and the pressure on ministers, uh, is higher than it's ever been. Uh, because of the anxiety level that's in our, in our society, our culture, the, the church, everywhere we live. So that's a long answer, but.
0: No, it's, I think it's fascinating for someone who on a day-to-day basis talks with ministers and elders from across the United States. I mean, I think you have so much access and I think it's a very credible source. You're a credible source when it comes to this particular topic. And I remember running into you here in Dallas a few months ago, a few weeks ago. I'm not quite sure when were, we, were, we ran into each other, but we, we connected. Uh, we were able to speak about maybe some of your evaluation about some of the, the changes that churches of Christ need to make in order to become relevant, to really meet the world at where the world is at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you addressed. In our conversation, and I'm so happy that we can talk right now so I can pick your brain more and learn from what you see and your experience, but it's about uh, church governance and how leadership structure is set up within the Churches of Christ. In some of the earlier episodes, we talked about how a unique characteristic of Churches of Christ is that they are autonomous. So basically, for those that are familiar who are listening, it's this idea that every church has its own leadership structure and has the ability, the agency to make decisions for that local community. There isn't an office in St. Louis or in Louisville, Kentucky. There isn't some office that's dictating what's being said, uh, what can be talked about, the decisions that are made. But every church has a local leadership group, uh, typically an eldership that has the agency to listen to the sound of the environment, to the community around it and make decisions for that community. So uh, for those also who are unfamiliar, typically what we see as far as leadership is having an eldership, and I'd be kind of curious if you could uh, right now, Greg, with your experience in ministry, but also dealing with, with uh, leaders, ministers, and elders, how does leadership look like in Churches of Christ today? How would you describe it, the dynamic between the elders, ministers, the church, and if there's anything that you would see as a different vision I'd love to kind of hear what your thoughts are on this issue.
1: Boy, that's a, that's a loaded question in so <laughs> many ways. Because, yeah. you know, I spend all my time with elders and ministers. I, I preach often in churches, but my, my best friends are elders and ministers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I have a deep respect for the role of elders as described in the New Testament. I mean, yes. but it's um, Harry Truman... President Harry Truman coined this phrase: "The buck stops here." Mm, mm. And so, with us in Churches of Christ, we've kind of inherited a model that says the buck stops with the elders, and it's been a a model that's based on hierarchy. Mm, mm-hmm. it, and and yet, I don't see that in the New Testament at all. We see mm. servants. We see those who live as in submission. We see those who sacrifice their lives for others. So it's kind of like if the if it's a pyramid with the elders at the top, let's just flip the pyramid. Mm. Uh, here's a little anecdotal thing. Um, yeah. I was having, I was having um, lunch one day with someone and I, I, I said, how are you? And right out of the bat, he said, something must change. I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, his spirit was soaked from long-term frustration and weariness and it just poured out. Mm. And he was an experienced, competent and gifted minister. And he said, I'm contemplating resigning. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I'm contemplating resigning. And I said, well, what's your relationship with the elders? And without hesitation, he said, I am simply a hireling for a company Mm. with a religious label. It's an employee employer relationship. And it's, I, I can't do it anymore, Grady. I just can't do it anymore. And unfortunately I understand. And so what I, What I think the challenge is, Mm -hmm. in most of our churches, the buck does stop with the elders, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. That's the system. Mm -hmm. But if we go back and look at the New Testament, it seems that the New Testament is not affirming a hierarchy because Mm -hmm. you're talking about house churches. You know, we got these big institutions, big buildings, how it runs them. But the principle of shepherding and the principle of gift-based shared leadership, Mm. That's my phrase. And, oh. and that from Romans 12, how the body ought to function and mm-hmm. leadership is one of the spiritual gifts mm-hmm. in, in Romans chapter 12. Yes. And then in first Corinthians 12, you got the concept of the body. And then in first Peter four, use whatever gift you have received yes. to administer God's grace. That's the purpose of it. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: when I, I think the issue or the struggle in churches of Christ Mm-hmm. comes down to our governance, mm. how we going to work together as ministers and elders with the gifts we've been given
0: yeah.
1: and biblical authority ought to bless, not burden people. And, and instead of being deciders of programs and permission givers, we, we ought to be discerners and listeners of people and the spirit and mm. re-engage the mission of God mm-hmm. with the gifts that we have. Now, does that mean there's got to be some structure? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, clear boundaries, clear limitations, clear understandings mm-hmm. of how we are to function mm-hmm. and live within that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it is just so frustrating, yeah, for ministers to be have this education, this empowerment, this this you know all the stuff they've been given mm-hmm. to be able to be treated like hirelings. <laughs> by guys that work full-time jobs and are not around. So Man. why can't we access a gift-based understanding of
0: what it means to lead? That's that is profound. I think that antidote you share is so telling. I think that there's probably a lot of ministers who are listening right now that would be able to have some solidarity with that particular statement because the structure that that is existent today, it can feel like ministers are like middle management in some senses, a uh, hired hand. Yeah, uh, true. Um, and, um, and in some ways I I have compassion for the office of elder, the way that it is presented today. It's almost like a no-win situation. And I, If I were to talk to all the a lot of churches and I were to do a survey of like an approval rating for elders for across the board, man, I what I'm noticing is that the approval rating is relatively low. But I don't fault the, the people that are in these positions because they are good people who are doing their hard working their hardest. Oh yeah. I I feel like it's the the expectations for the office itself is goes way beyond any human's ability to do what's asked of them. I mean to be an elder in the churches of Christ today, it seems as though you have to be able to go to the hospital. You have to call everyone on their birthday you have to uh, make sure that you know those that feel that are the newcomers to church. That you visit them and that you're the first one to greet them and invite them to lunch. You need to be able to teach a class. You need to attend these meetings every every week. Uh, you're running a multi million dollar nonprofit, so you need to make decisions on you know the the air conditioner. You need to make decisions on the hiring and firing as well with the staff. It's become this massive thing, and then these but these people they have jobs, they have families, they're not getting paid, it's a volunteer. And so I just think it's a recipe for people to be disappointed in such high expectations. I mean, just out of curiosity, how did it get this way? You know, how did, how did we come to a place where we have this particular structure right now? I mean, any thoughts or ideas of how we've arrived to where we are today?
1: well, I think we easily adopt the, the models we're comfortable with, and so we get a group of men. I have two observations is that the first century church being a house church, and we find these words where elders are used, we've uncritically adopted the terms elders and shepherds from a first century environment and uncritically move them over to a large institutional setting and it's an impossible task, as you've said. And I have great compassion I've I worked with over 90 elders oh, in, in five congregations. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any of them that weren't basically good men. Yes. Maybe one I felt was in it for the wrong reason. It was to basically get in to fire of the preacher, you know, <laughs> or something. But but every I've had worked with some really fine men or good men. Here's the struggle. We the church puts them in based upon Timothy and Titus Mm -hmm. and those, that list that's used this legalistic checklist, which is not intended to be used that way. Mm -hmm. It's a character sketch. Mm -hmm. And so we put them in as individuals with no training of how to function as a group. Mm -hmm. And what the frustration is, is they get in the room and realize how difficult it is to make decisions Oh, to establish protocols, exactly to 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 how are we going to shepherd, and so we bring them in as individuals with no understanding of how a group about how to function as a group, and it's the group functioning of mm-hmm. where the minister elder thing gets. Who am I listening to? So an elder comes and talks to you on, on morning. You're thinking, are you talking to me as an individual or as an elder group? Which one are you talking? <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah. I have compassion for the elders and certainly compassion for ministers because I've been one all my life. And so, yes, but that's the first observation that I have is we've uncritically adopted this.
0: Mm.
1: Well, you're the elder and you're where the buck stops and you're a shepherd and that's what the Bible says. Well, yeah, it does say that. But the context, it, context of the first century to these big institutions, big buildings and all this stuff we're doing is, mm-hmm. is really challenging. Yes. So the group. We don't give any training or orientation to how to function as a group. That's true. And yeah. so the question becomes, who decides who decides a, on ha- and how? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some churches are like, well, if you're going to decide this, you need to go to this elder. If you're going to decide this, no, you go to this staff person. No, on this one, we better run this by this deacon over here. We, right. And so we've got this lack of clarity and confusion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then you've got the church's anxiety and we get triangle, the minister, the elders and the church gets triangled with each other's mm-hmm. with each other. That makes sense. Yes. Yes. So member a doesn't like what, what minister a is doing. So he goes to elder a <laughs> and elder a says, well, I'll talk to him about that. They bring it to the other elders. Well, yeah, we need to address that. With why didn't he just say, why don't you go talk to them? To the minister. Yeah. I'll, and I'll look forward to hearing what you say about them. Point them back to the Jesus model rather than getting triangled triangle to solve mm-hmm. problems and rescue.
0: You mm-hmm. know, that's so
1: that's a few of the observations I so had. We get this way. I think we've incorrectly adopted a first century model for, a, mm-hmm. for large congregations. Yeah, which originally has church. And I think the second one is we've ad- adopted a business hierarchical model mm-hmm. of an understanding of what it means to be a leader. Wow. Wow. And so we think in terms of chief of staff, CEO. Yeah. We think in terms of middle management. We think mm-hmm. in terms of, so you know, I'm kind of just saying, let's go back and look at what scripture says. Yes. And, and yeah. how are we going to function that way? And mm. how can we, we we've got to reteach and and help teach the church as much what that's about
0: mm-hmm.
1: as mm-hmm. we do the structure itself.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. There's some wisdom, I think. In the model that we do have as far as a collective group uh, that is collectively yeah. discerning. I, I love that because you know we can see on the other end of the spectrum in some, you know, in the evangelical world or some other churches, when that when it's pinned on one person, when there's one charismatic leader that's driving the show and making the decisions and deciding what is and what isn't, uh, then oftentimes that one leader. If, if that leader falls, the whole thing crumbles. Uh, if there's an ethical failure or a scandal, which we've seen time and time again sometimes in these really big evangelical churches where it's driven by a very powerful personality, uh, you can become susceptible of that. So I, I kind of like, you know, I think there's wisdom in this group approach, this collaborative group that is discerning together that what is best for the health of the spiritual community. And I know that you mentioned earlier, this idea of a gift-based leadership. And I would love for you to flush out a little bit, what could it look like? Uh, you know, if, if there is a group, you have elders, you have ministers, you have staff, uh, you have everyone with this dynamic, what would it look like, the potential of a situation where it could be a gift-based leadership?
1: I think the first key is, John Mark, I think the first key would be it's, it it evolves or it revolves around mission. Mm. So once you decide this is mission as a group, this is, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is our focus. Mm -hmm. Then from there comes, let's look at the spiritual gifts of of who we've got in the room as we call as the leader group, Mm -hmm. who are the staff that we have, the ministry staff, as well as the elders. Let's find out where the gifts are Mm -hmm. and then let's apply those gifts to accomplishing mission so Mm -hmm. and then there needs to be clear i use the words boundaries and limitations which is policy governance kind of things but we we need to actually work through the details of who decides what when Mm -hmm. and how much and who has uh, you know who has the authority in in other words to, to make this decision and on what basis and how and uh, for example, I had uh, in a church I was with once, we had what we call the A team. We had an administrative team. It was, mm-hmm. it was me and it was a, a deacon that had administrative skills. And then we had a elder liaison or two elders. And we met every other week and we had permission from the elders written down. Here's what we could initiate. Here's what we could make it, you know, and then if it was over a certain amount financially, mm-hmm. give you an example if there's over a certain amount financially, then it would go out to the whole elder group or the whole leadership team to to, to weigh in on. And they had 72 hours to weigh in on. If it's mm-hmm. not, we're making this decision. So, But we had clear understandings mm-hmm. of what we were to decide. So when I say gift-based, here's mission. And then we actually do some gift gift work with people in the mm-hmm. leadership you know, it's fleshing it out. It's going to be contextual based on the gifts that people have. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be one size fits all for everywhere. So what you need in your congregation, it's going to be, look, let's look at our context. So let's who, let's look at who God has brought to determine who, where God needs to lead.
0: Mm, that's
1: fascinating. That's really good. And Who God has brought is a certain kind of people that you have in your own context with certain gifts and certain talents and Mm -hmm. and those kind of things. And so look at who God has brought and the giftedness that you brought to determine what God is calling you to do. Mm. Because God will equip his people with the gifts to get accomplished things
0: done. Yes, oh man. In your experience too with the Hope Network, is there one mistake that you see time and time again uh, that churches continually to make around this particular topic of governance and of decision-making and uh, trying to, as a collective group, discern what God's will is for a community. Lack of
1: clarity and communication.
0: Mm. We
1: just consistently, let's get in a room and talk about it. Let's, let's set aside, let's set aside this, who's in charge and who's not in charge and we're the elders and you're the minister. Let's just have a conversation as adults and, 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 and let Clarity and communication is we make that all the, all the time, all the time. It's, can we talk about this? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, and can we, can we look at who God has brought to determine Mm -hmm. what God wants us to do Mm -hmm. and how he wants us to function, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, and I know I'm being very theoretical here because it's contextual. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. But it can work. I mean, you know, clarity and communication are the things I see the most. Just a yeah. lack of clarity about what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then, and then communicating that to the church overall. You know, I love it.
0: I love it. And I, I want to be respectful of your time. I know uh, we're coming to the end of our interview. Before I let you go, I'd love to get your just take on the churches of Christ's future. The churches of Christ as a, a religious community, this church of Christ that kind of has its roots in the restoration movement. What do you see as the future of this particular religious community? Was there any sort of changes, recommendations in order to thrive instead of survive? What needs to happen?
1: I like the way you say that because I think a lot of us are in survival mode Mm -hmm. and anxiety, and we tend to circle the wagons. And the higher the anxiety is, the less imaginative we can be. I mean, there's incredible opportunities right now, and there's people are seeking, you know, the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, is like 25%, according to Burgess' new book, it's 25% of the American population that have no religious background, and then there's a, another higher percentage that have no particular uh, allegiance, so we have this incredible opportunity, but for the Churches of Christ, you know, since we were a movement born in modernity,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we tend to Reflect everything about modernity, uh-huh. you know. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have to reengage the gospel on its own terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, what is the gospel? Mm-hmm. The gospel is just simply to get us into heaven, and not the redemption of all things. Mm-hmm. And I think our view, our gospel, has been too truncated. So the future of churches of Christ is dependent upon us leaning into the very gospel that we say we hold to and unpacking that more. Uh, I do believe that many churches of Christ, uh, I say 25 to 30% over the next decade will be functionally gone. Mm-hmm. They're aging out. And th- this is validated by statistic. I mean, it's over the last 30 years. Now that doesn't mean there won't be 25 or 30 people in some town, some church getting together, but as a functional kingdom presence in a community, reaching people, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think, you know, I don't have any stats to prove that, Mm -hmm. but just from the work I've done with churches is that churches are aging out. We're losing the group under age 35. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, you know, People are asking different set of questions. Questions are: Is there a God? Mm. That's that's different than what your church believe about this teaching. You know, <laughs> is there a God? Yeah. Does it, how do I connect with this God? And then they finally get down to this other aspect of doctrine, beliefs, added, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I think we're going to have to the future of churches of Christ. I, I think we'll see some loss considerable Mm -hmm. loss of our congregation now just because congregations die doesn't mean the church is not threatened god's not threatened and the church of our lord is is going to exist that's his promise yes individual congregations can make choices that absolutely lead to their demise
0: yes yes
1: so to me reengaging the gospel is fundamental uh prayer is fundamental Mm -hmm. become a people of prayer Mm -hmm. um a people of the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's just a spirit empowered people, uh, life giving churches, you know, that those kind of things. I know I've been pretty broad, probably broader than you want me to be, but
0: no, man, drop the mic. Uh, Grady King, thank you so much for this time, for sharing with us your wisdom from your experience. Uh, you've really uh, given us a lot to think about today. A lot of great points and uh, beyond grateful. So on behalf of the listeners, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time and and thank you for this, this amazing conversation today. Thanks, John Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. This concludes this podcast episode. There are more episodes and interviews on the past and present and future of the Churches of Christ. So please don't forget to click the subscribe button and feel free to share this episode with anyone who may find the contents valuable. May you have a great rest of the day or week. May you know that God loves you. God loves all of you. Take care, God bless, and see you all next week.